I have returned. Hey. <laughs> okay, crisis averted. The grease fire the in the kitchen is now down to a dull roar. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Nobody died. Oh, no, we managed to avert that, thankfully. They'll need new curtains, <laughs> but hey, the window's fine. <laughs> hey, sure. You always got to look on the bright side, and uh, without the curtains, there's really no choice. So uh, the sun's going to come in whether we want it to or not. How messed up is that if it's actually a princess that's attacking the... Okay, like let's it. take Star Wars and turn it on its ear. Well, actually, no, Star Wars also had a daughter of an emperor as a princess, come to think of it. But, uh, spoilers! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, spoilers from the 1980s. Yep. <laughs> Darth Vader is Luke's father. Ha <laughs> ha! Oh! That's not true! That's impossible! <laughs> the woman in the crying game's a dude. He's been a ghost the entire movie! <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, you're going to tell me that the boat sinks. (laughs) (laughs) It was. All right, right, that's enough. Welcome to Crucible of Realms. I'm Jim. I'm John. And I'm Kent. And today our guest is author and game designer Matt Forbeck. Hello, sir. Hello, Jim. Thanks for having me on. Yay. (laughs) Awesome to have you here, sir. Now, for anyone who might not be familiar, tell us a little bit about yourself. My name is Matt Forbeck, F-O-R-B-E-C-K, and I am a game designer and a writer for many years. I started out doing game design back in the 80s, late 80s, early 90s, and I used to run a company called Pinnacle Entertainment Group that I helped co-found with Shane Hensley, which did Deadlands, Brave New World, a whole bunch of other tabletop games. In 1999 or so, I left the company and ended up going into freelancing. I've been doing mostly novels since. I just had my 16th novel come out from Angry Robot Books back in March, and that was called Carpathia, which is a historical horror novel. And I'm currently writing the IDW's Magic the Gathering comic book for them and for Wizards of the Coast. And I'm also writing a series of novels called 12 for 12, in which I challenged myself to write a dozen novels in the year. Wow. Excellent. And a couple other things. Did, oh, they just announced I'm working the Marvel MMO, too, which actually did the work for already. It's been done for a while. Cool. You're not allowed to talk about these things until the marketing department is ready. So. Yeah, I oh, know. That's that's awesome, though. Been waiting quite a while for that one. Yeah, me too. I mean, I remember actually looking forward to it back when it was the Cryptic Studios guys working on it. Then it got canceled for whatever reason. Oh, uh, um, yeah, yeah. But now Gazillion is the new company that's got it. They're also doing the Marvel Superhero Squad MMO, which I did a little bit of work on for as well. And one of the guys that got hired to do the writing for that one got hired to work on the gazillion MMO. That's uh, Andy Collins, formerly of Wizards of the Coast. And he mm-hmm. hired a whole bunch of us back to work on the Marvel Heroes MMO. That's great. Awesome. Well, that's, uh, we'll definitely be looking forward to seeing things coming out of that, because I've been, been wanting to get my hands on that for some time now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a huge Marvel zombie myself, so I'm pretty thrilled about Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, before we dive in here, just a couple of things. First off, we got an email from Joseph. He said, Hi guys, love the podcast. I've suggested it to all my players. Uh, Anyway, I was fooling around with Photoshop and thought you guys might want to use the result for your page. I included a screenshot in my browser so you can see what it would look like. If you wish to use it, feel free. Keep up the good work, Joe. And he has sent us a new banner. Which was very cool. Um, And you will probably have already seen it by the time you hear this episode. Because we are putting it up on the site. In fact, the funny thing here is that unlike most of our episodes, which we record something like eight weeks in advance or so, this one we're actually releasing sooner. And uh, that actually has to do with the Kickstarter that Matt is doing. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit about that? Sure, thanks. 
As I mentioned before, I'm doing this project called 12 for 12, where I'm writing a dozen novels this year. They're about 50,000 words each, and I've broken them up into a set of trilogies, so I can get them together, and I run each trilogy on Kickstarter as a project that people can place pre-orders for the books for. The first one was based on Brave New World, which was a role-playing game that I wrote for Pinnacle Entertainment back when I was running the company as president back in 1999, which is a dystopian superhero background. The one I'm currently writing right now, which I ran a Kickstarter for a couple months ago, is called Shotguns and Sorcery, which is a fantasy noir setting. And the one that I'm kickstarting right now is called Dangerous Games. It's actually a trilogy of thrillers set at Gen Con, which is the largest gaming convention in the hemisphere. <laughs> nice. <clears throat> Very cool. We also actually noticed we've been getting comments. Thank you so much, folks, for sending those in. We actually got a comment from someone calling themselves the Biobasist. We left some very nice words about episode 12, Aconda Spiral, so thank you very much for that. If you'd like to see the comment, feel free to check it out on the Crucible of Realms website. Okay, let's get to it. So, what kind of world do we wish to build tonight? Mm. We actually have started yeah. compiling a list of uh, some things that we might want to use. Uh-oh. Mm. Yes! I see John has a high magic versus high tech. That should be interesting. Borg it, it would, versus Greyhawk. We, right. What would oh. happen if the Borg invaded Greyhawk? Oh, that oh would dude, be awesome. we should do that. Uh, but, of course, we can't use Greyhawk or the Borg. Well, no, you're, yeah, I know. <laughs> this is, well, we create them. That's the point. Matt, what do you think? Do, doing something like that? Yeah, I'm the, good for uh, that. The technological apocalypse of a high fantasy world. Yeah. Okay, awesome. And once more, I will go ahead and give a disclaimer I've given once before. It sounds like this is going to be a genre-mixing episode. If you're listening at home and you despise that, we're terribly sorry. But we will take great pleasure <laughs> in thrusting these genres into each other where they don't belong. And laughing. Laughing! Good for the yes, soul. it'll be good for you. It's good for you. So, John, what did you have in mind when you kind of were thinking about this? We know magic does not exist in the Star Trek universe. Everything's science yeah. there. So what happens if a high-tech world conqueror shows up on a world that actually has magic and can't fully deal with it? Can mm -hmm. it fully deal with it? That's the question. Do they have a chance? Yeah. Okay. I guess we're looking at this thing being in Medias Res, or in Medias Res, depending on which side of the room you're standing. <laughs> the invasion is taking place, so it hasn't been resolved yet. Do we want to go from there, or do we want to go from the point that the invasion is over and the conquest has happened, or the worlds have mixed already? And, uh, I think it's I, more interesting if we go back to the invasion itself. I mean, there's so many questions about who could actually win, right? Right, yeah. I say we leave the two <laughs> mega players on the table. Okay. This fantasy world has gone on for some time without knowing about this other race or their technology. Has the technological race encountered fantasy worlds before? Hmm. I don't think so. I'm, so this is going to be a first time for both of them. Right. Yep. Concept on both sides, huh? Right. I, I think they're going to kick some ass, and then they suddenly realize they're facing magic, which is a little bit more of a challenge for them. <laughs> right. Mm. I think historically they're a juggernaut. They just show up and just roll over people. But they're suddenly forced to deal with things that defy their laws of physics. Yep. Yeah. Right. Which side do we want to define first? Should we define the fantasy world or the invaders? I I think it'd be good to set the world and then work on the invaders. Okay. I'm good with that. We've already got it defined that it's going to be high magic. Mm -hmm. If we wanted to give an interesting twist to the way magic works on this world, what sort of thing would we want to throw in? When you, Any ideas? When you say twist, are we thinking... I mean, well, I'm obviously referring to the dance. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I'm not. Um, no, I'm uh, actually, basically what I'm thinking is, is it like, is magic device based on this world? Does it require blood sacrifice or is it something else? I mean, do people cast magic through musical instruments? I mean, is it just like D&D? &D? Is it 
something where it's all incantation? Is it something where mm-hmm. it's all based on okay. a more psychic type thing? What sort of gimmick are we playing with? I think for the uh, the more common folk, it's gestures, words, somatic, that sort of thing. Where we're dealing with uh, like shielding whole cities, that would definitely be item driven to try and protect their own or maybe the castle or something like that. Or firing large fiery balls of magic, you're definitely going to need an item of some sort. Okay. okay. I, think, I think they're definitely dealing with some power source that's probably not in our dimension and not in their dimension, I suppose. Where what their tip that they draw on? Yeah, what they're drawing on. So is this going to be like some sort of god or goddess of magic, uh, kind of like so, uh, in certain D and D worlds, or is this going to be more like just a plane of some kind, or uh, or is it packs with demons or whatever? I mean, it, it could be a lot of different things, right? Yeah. I think one of the basic <laughs> questions you need to answer is this something that's exportable, right? Could people from the alien race come down and learn the magic and then bring it someplace else? Or is it unique to the world itself for some reason? I like the fact that uh, we might keep it extra dimensional. That way it can't be touched. But it's still only for this world. Mm. This world That's alone. Yep. And that also gives the uh, the alien scientists something to try to work on, mm-hmm. uh, where they're trying to figure out how to penetrate that other plane. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, um, they're trying to figure out how it works. So it's just energy that they're drawing from another plane. Mm-hmm. Well, they can invoke names. I mean, there's a lot of gesturing and semantics that go on with it that draw upon that energy, I think, that channel yeah. that energy. Those aren't mutually exclusive. I mean, you can do both. Of right. Those, right. Yeah. Right. The power source in the other way is the method of manipulation. So basically what we've got here, it looks like, is for simple stuff, you've got things that a person can do. And then for the bigger things, uh, large fireballs and things of that nature, you have magical artillery type mm. Things, sort of devices that you've created. That sounds good. So when you're trying to create a bigger effect, you need to invest it in an item. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that there, we need to be clear that there are also there are intelligent monsters. So we're not talking just humans with these things. There are yeah. dragons out there. Okay. Well, do we want to do the standard set of sort of humans, elves, dwarves, and things of that nature? Yes. Yeah. Dragon. Yep, I don't have a problem okay. with that. Definitely. Okay. Keep it normal. Okay. <laughs> yes. Everyday dwarves. Yep. <laughs> Just like you meet at normal. the local coffee house. <laughs> yep. More likely to meet them at a bar, but... Uh... That is yeah. true. It's the elves at the coffee house, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> now, let's not start profiling. Uh, any any self-respecting dwarf is perfectly capable of going to a coffee house with or without battle axe. That's the other thing is there should be armor, swords, bows, arrows. I mean, they're going to fight them just like they would large army scale. Throw a whole bunch of tin-covered bipedal humanoid races at whatever's coming at them. Well, let's define a little bit about the most important kingdom that's going to be heading up the defense. Mm. Um, what kind of kingdom do we want this to be? Well, do we want to be, you know, are they involved in their own wars? Are they an established empire where they're already, they've dominated the entire world and they think that they could take on anybody? Mm. You know? There probably is a main one eventually, but I don't know at first. If an alien attacked our Earth, we're all going to squabble yeah. amongst ourselves right. for so, a yeah, while. They, and then end up probably just taking on whatever they could, establishing a beachhead someplace. We're thinking then it's more of a very hastily thrown-together alliance? Probably, eventually. That would be what could resist them. 
Yeah, well, we want to make sure that there's at least something in there where it's going to be utter chaos, but people are going to be looking for things for protagonists to come out of, you see. Um, right, right. And so something where you have, say, something that maybe it's not a completely united front, but maybe these are the main guys to look at when looking at people who are going to be fighting back. So it's going to be the humans eventually. It's always the humans, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, it I'll start. Say it was the dwarves or some underground race because they were more protected, right? Uh, yeah, that's able to hide underground literally from the bad guys. Plus, the humans breed so fast compared to the other races. <laughs> uh, yeah, I could see something like a Baldur's Gate being destroyed and unifying the humans together. But then, how do we get the elves and the dwarves in? Maybe them seeing a shattered city just laying in ruin. Right. That well, might be and, enough. yeah, and that might be, and actually, that might be one of the whole questions mm-hmm. of this setting: is to how are they going to come together? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so we can leave against. that. I think it needs to be a massive destruction, city scale, or maybe multiple city scale. Okay, so the first volleys have already been fired, then. Probably the bigger cities are gone already. Let's not wipe them all out. Well, no, 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 no. But if you can come in from space undetected, and you can lay waste to something before they're prepared for you. Mm -hmm. Well... Let's think about that then. Do we want a large area to have already been devastated, or do we want just a number of specific targets? Are they out to just destroy, or yeah. do they want to subjugate? No, I think they want to subjugate. Yeah, they want to inculcate them into their society. Okay. But we still have to provide enough resistance to them to be formidable. We can't let them just walk all over us and then our remnants rise up and whoop ass. So do we want to say maybe by this point have they knocked out, say, half of the capital cities or one-third of the capital cities, two-thirds of the capital cities? They've probably wiped out a lot of the human cities. Yeah. The kind of the obvious one. Yeah. And maybe the elves and the dwarves, especially the dwarves, you know, who have their capitals far underground. Or hidden away. Well, the dwarves do anyway. Yeah. Or hidden away. <laughs> well, the elves are hidden. Yeah. Elves typically have magically Camp hidden plus. cities and stuff. Okay. Maybe the sensors aboard the ships can't penetrate those kind of... Well, maybe the elves are actually hiding away on uh, another plane sometimes. Maybe that's where their big cities are. Uh-huh. Um, if we want to... Or something, they just kind of disappear between planes. Yeah. Ooh. Some of the bigger ones, anyway. Right. If you're not talking about sort of the common elf that you might run into in the woods. Right. Without going too overboard, I think one-third of the major metropolises of the humans can be gone. That'll okay. still give us two-thirds to kind of go out, get the dwarves and dragons and elves to kind of help us fight. Now we were, oh, actually, you know, I like that idea that maybe the major powers that the humans are going to turn to in this time are going to be the elves and the dwarves and the dragons. Yep. They should turn to the orcs. All the fantasy races, right? There you yeah. Go. yeah, well, yeah, actually, the uh, the orcs. So the orcs will be just sort of sitting there. And that might be just a... Sort of sitting there, it's like, so... You really need someone who has experience with this kind of thing. Well, guess what? <laughs> that not be a line of pursuit is that the envoys that have to go out to some of these other races is like, look, oh, yeah. we really need the beholders on our side. Yeah. There you go. Um, well, unfortunately, we cannot um, use beholders, right. but... Um, <laughs> okay. Oh, the eyes. Denied. Uh, the, the giant eye. No, you're right. The giant floating things. We don't know what they're called. I hydras. Yes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> No beholders were harmed in the making of this podcast. <laughs> so we've got, say, humans going out to mm-hmm. seek help 
from elves and orcs and dwarves and dragons, dragons. and anything else major we want to throw in while we're at it. Then... I think you need to have, I think the fantasy guys have to have some kind of instantaneous communication system, even if it's just between the capital cities and the leaders. Otherwise, you know, the guys come in, they destroy a city, they can move on and destroy the next city, and nobody would ever know until it was we. Right. Mm. Yep. How do they do that? Do they is that say an oracular thing? Is it maybe people? Is it crystal ball type ball thing? Kind of thing. I'm thinking. Everybody's yeah, got their talent here. Yes, you use the palantirs, you know. Or the, <laughs> there you <laughs> go. Yes, slightly less grim versions of uh, the planet here. Okay, so it's like they've got communication orbs among the human cities, at least. And maybe the other races don't have that established, ah. so that's why you've had... What if they have to go out? Maybe they have such things established between themselves, and certainly they've got spies that are what if, perhaps already knowing what's going on, what? but they, they haven't really made official contact through the sort of human orbs yet. What if the human right. envoys are bringing these crystals so that communication can be established quickly between them? Sure. And so as a gift for their assistance, they're bringing the communication crystals where they can all kind of talk really quickly between one another. I picture it like a Yoda sitting there and all of a sudden the hologram kind of pops up, but it'd be kind of a a magical sort of emanation. Yeah, exactly. And to this point, the bad guys, even though they might capture them, have no idea how they work and can't deploy them. Yeah, because I like the idea that the bad guys haven't quite figured out magic yet. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah, and they may not ever. That's the whole point. So who is heading up this endeavor among the humans? Is there a major kingdom to which people are flocking? Is there a central point? Or if it is an alliance of kingdoms, who are the most important ones? I always like the term war duke, and I think that that's probably... There you go. I think that there's a war duke. I think that there's some guy who is a general, and he's the war duke. He's the guy that everybody else has to sort of go, okay, even though you're a king, you have to at least listen to the war duke. Okay, so this war duke is someone who is shared among the kingdoms. He goes around advising people militarily, or maybe this is just happening now. Right, I think that's just happening now. Yep, he was just appointed. Right, he arises out of the chaos. Yeah, I think think that's closer to it, yeah. Yeah. Maybe there was a... uh, ancient enemy that was fought a long time ago and it's not the aliens but it's uh, just something magic based that was challenging a lot of places and so they had a title that was similar or they, they gave that person that title and so someone is now coming forth to use that title again. Oh you're thinking okay. Yeah. It's for a different purpose it's a, now. It's a right? unifying title. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's been thousands of years since we've had a war duke. Well, we have another one now. It's like, yeah, in World War II, we had a five-star general. We haven't had oh, a five-star yeah. general since then. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Does the war duke spend all his time going back and forth to different places, or is there a central hub where he hangs out? He or she, actually, I should say, because it could be a female, actually. That's true. But I'd say it's a central place that he hangs out, well, that he plans on leading the forces from that area. I think that they're hoping that these alliances will establish a... Maybe currently he has to move. There you go. Keep yeah. on the move. And maybe they're hoping that the dwarves or the elves in their kind of hidden fortresses might go get them ahead of him so that they can actually settle down for a, a minute and catch their breath before the inevitable counteroffensive kind of thing. I like the idea that maybe there isn't a central hub yet, mm-hmm. but that maybe, again, borrowing from the idea that in Legends Past there was one, mm-hmm. and that maybe there's an old place that hasn't been inhabited for a while, and maybe that's what what's going to become the central hub again. There you go. Maybe that's what they're going to want to use. Right. Yep. Ha. Ha. And you know who's there? The orcs are there. Ah. Nice. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. So I'd like to talk a little bit about the aliens, if we may. Sure. So what are these invaders like? 
I think the uh, the Borg idea that we originally come up with, or we're using as a riff, is kind of cool. I think if they're if they're so tech dependent that they can be disrupted and that can actually kill them or harm them, that gives the magic guys a chance to actually do things against them, right? I mean, if they're just yeah. like Klingons or whatever, or even humans, they can just run rampant and you know, hey, your gun doesn't work, you know, pick up a bigger gun, pick up a sword yeah. or whatever. But if uh, your brain's linked into some kind of computer and if the computer gets shot, your brain is blue in too. Um, cool. No, I think that just helps. I think it just gives them a wedge that they can use against the aliens. Cool. Okay. So do we want the aliens to be cyborgs yep. or do we want them? Okay. <laughs> or maybe they're just robots, you know? Well, that, that was, they're I was a robot ask force from some, some other living planet someplace else. I don't know. I still like the living flesh. I mean, you can still burn the heck out of the robot and it can't move around very much. Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? What if we split the difference and mm. make them androids of some kind? Maybe they have very human-like <laughs> qualities or the ability to mimic them, but they're actually technologically based. Maybe they've got some organic material making up part of their matrix, but for the most part, they are mechanical. I would go either way. Yeah, I think going Borgish, where there, there are a lot of tech in them, but they're still yeah. creatures. I'd, uh, yeah, I'd still like to see some stuff attached to them, you know, like an arm replaced <laughs> with a big cannon, you know, or... <laughs> oh, sure. You know, well, or, and then they may have a, you might have a cast kind of, where yeah. you, you do have some that are the smooth-skinned and, and they're... Yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Like a hierarchy? Yeah. Okay. yeah. So around the queen or the central, that's the other thing is, are they a hive mind if they're well, cyborg? I I'd like imagine. to I'd like to differentiate these from the Borg, though, to some extent so that we can have something that people can play with in other directions if they want to. Yeah, I think so. Um, I also think it's more interesting if they're not a hive mind, if they're individuals. Because, you know, then you can have somebody who wants to play the bad guys, too, right? Oh. Yes, you always get people who want to be yeah, the exactly. bad guy. And playing the hive mind is <laughs> not nearly as much fun. You, know? yeah. you go here and do this because the queen said so. Okay. <laughs> Just enjoy it. Just roll the dice. You're fine. Exactly. What are they, first of all? Do we say that they are just basically cyborgs then? Do we want to go with that? Flesh and material? Well, I think we can do both. I think we can have like the troops be the, like, like cyborgs and the That's lieutenants uh, oh. and, and hierarchy be the flesh more able to look like other humans. Oh, so maybe the leaders are pure machine? Do you want to go with that? Yeah, that's I think he was good. going the other way, but either way. The leaders are pure flesh? I don't know. If you do Is the it... leaders are pure flesh, you can do this kind of neat thing where uh, if you have to have a part of your body replaced by a machine, that immediately throws you out of the upper class. Oh, wow. Ah, okay, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I like this. So, you know, if somebody takes your arm and it has to be replaced, hey, you got an arm, but yeah, now you're in the army. <laughs> yep. the, the interesting thing there is, is it's not that they value the technology. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you your purity, you know? <laughs> so the technology is just a means to an end. So are they coming to this world? <laughs> then we have to assign the motive. If they're not a, if they're not the Borg, if they're not the... I, I really like, well, Matt just threw out the idea of Aryan purity. I kind of like this idea. Maybe they are trying to uh, eliminate that which is impure. Space Nazis. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Basically Daleks. There yeah. you go. Okay. I can deal with that. They have a hierarchy, but is it a... Yeah, but like, why this planet, why now, right? Is it a, well, is it a war camp? Do they have some sort of 
council? Do they have a king? Right. Is this just one expeditionary force, or is this the whole shebang? I think this is one expeditionary force. I like that. I, I, I think that'd be good. If it's just one expeditionary force, then that means that if the race itself gets interested, then it's pretty much going to be curtains for this planet. Well, no, not mm-hmm. necessarily. It depends on what kind of space travel they're using, right? You're, you're, uh, you're assuming it's all faster than life, but what if they're all in hibernation until they show up, and it takes literally years and mm-hmm. centuries for... Uh, oh, that's, that's interesting because that then creates the potential for a lot of threat over time. Mm-hmm. Do you think exactly. these guys yeah. are coming back to this planet then? This was their planet before and they uh, left. And then somehow magic developed on it? Yes. Maybe they abandoned it in the past because we're <laughs> encountering radiation of some sort. And or maybe it wasn't their plan. Maybe they were the second expeditionary force. The first one got their asses handed to them. <laughs> there you go. This is the, what oh. happened to those guys. Maybe the first expeditionary force was a long time ago. Right. Yep. They sent a distress signal, and then this is the response. Yeah. But by right. now, everybody in the magical planet has forgotten about it, of course, right? Yeah, it could be that sort of scenario that you find in a bunch of old, in old modules all the time where people are wandering through this tower and it turns out to be a spaceship. <laughs> yes. Expedition yeah. to the Barrier Peaks, baby. Yep, there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, totally. Had a character yeah, that walked around with one of those guns for many years afterwards. <laughs> Had like four shots. Got to make them count. Uh-huh. Yep. That, was, that was basically what it was. And the DM was very specific. You've got four shots, so use them well. Did you get to use them? I think I used two of them. I was too miserly with them. I didn't, you know, I was always convinced there was something bigger going to come sooner to <laughs> later on. So. There's always something bigger coming. I don't care if I am fighting Orcus. There's something bigger yeah. coming. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this is the second expeditionary force. The first yeah, one was okay. a complete wipeout. Well, yeah, if the first one was a complete wipeout, maybe that it was a very small force, mm-hmm. and maybe they were not as developed as they are now. Maybe the um, elves so or the dragons know about this since they're so long-lived. I would say that's maybe a pretty good bet. Humans. The first humans? Yeah. Ah, okay, so that would make... Okay, so then the leaders are human. Right, yeah. Did the elves... Alien, did quote the, unquote alien. Did the elves and the dwarves wipe out that first ship? Right, exactly, and except some of them got away, right? <laughs> Yeah. Some of the pure ones survived, managed to get into breeding population. Right, they they enslaved them, and then, yeah. So are we saying this is how humans came to be on the planet? Ooh. <laughs> because I love that idea. I think so. I think, so. Yeah. I think that's kind of unique, you know? Yeah, that works, yes. I like humans as invaders. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> on both nice. ends of the spectrum, and now. Exactly. And of course, you know, tell the humans why they don't trust them at all. Right? Well, yeah, that's why they don't trust them, and it's awesome, because this becomes a story of redemption. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Because it's the humans that, ironically, now are leading the force against the invader. Because <laughs> <laughs> they don't know you better. Right? <laughs> yeah. uh, that works. That's awesome. I love that. So these are humans that are coming from space. Yep. But the great thing is, you may not see the humans, the, the space humans, for uh, some time because right. what you're going to see are robots and cyborgs and such. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. Will the second expeditionary force figure out that the humans on this planet are their descendants? I can't imagine them not thinking that at some point, or at least thinking, well, these people are genetically identical to us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or slightly yeah, very. How do these people understand magic? Yeah, they've been steeped in magic. Maybe they aren't genetically. I mean, they're close, but maybe they changed. 
or maybe the you know, or, or Aryans, they would be these people would have been tainted by magic, which is the reason they can use it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they've been on this planet too long. They've been changed by it. They're no longer pure. Yeah. <laughs> They're no longer of the true race. <laughs> oh wow! You can get so much mileage out of Nazis, I swear. <laughs> so, so are we going to have so, a catchphrase for these invaders then? You've been found <laughs> Yes, <laughs> you have been found impure. Boom. Your impurities will be purged. Yeah, your impurities will be purged. Something along those lines. A number of catchphrases. Why not? Oh, yes. When we actually see the alien forces, um, we know the invaders that invaders are actually space marines, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Take the dark side of the space marines from 40k. They're essentially Nazis. <laughs> oh wow! So you might eventually see uh, people in battle armor coming down and doing stuff. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> So what would you see primarily, though, as, uh, let's say that you're a farmer, <laughs> and uh, you see an alien invasion coming, and of course no one will believe you when you go to tell them this, right. but uh, what do you see when you see the aliens coming up over the rise? What's the last thing you see? I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, what's yeah. the last thing you see? That's assuming you have the chance to actually report it to anybody. <laughs> Right. That is true. <laughs> the first thing you do is change your shorts. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, no, but these are guys that see dragons flying. Well, they yeah. Well, with the same result. <laughs> right. No. No. Probably. <laughs> but but they also know you know hey the guy over the tower over there can pitch lightning bolts over the horizon. So yeah, they're probably more used to weird happenings than the guys on the spaceship. That's true, because the guys on the spaceship have to do what they expect them. They understand things. There's a cause and effect. Right. They think, uh, yeah, they think they have a clear idea of what, how the universe works. And now they're encountering people who it doesn't work that way for them. Right. Well, I think the question I'm really getting at here is what does a basic troop unit of these uh, alien life forms, what does it look like? Ah, okay. Is it a robot? Is it a cyborg? It's a cyborg. Um, okay, it is. Uh, it's a it's, cyborg. All right. Yeah, and, you know, if there's no armor involved, you can mistake it for a robot, right? You right. might have it as human because of that. So they're wearing something that maybe it would be like a sort of space armor type thing. Yeah, yeah. a little bit. So the nails, it looks like full plate mail. Except their hand is a cannon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Plasma <laughs> rifle. Yeah. Do they have vehicles? I would think for like a main siege, yeah, against a large city, they would have vehicles. If you can put planes in the air, so to speak, over the battlefield, you're going to dominate things until you get the dragons out there, too. Mm -hmm. Unless there are citywide shield systems. There may be some cities that have that, but since a third of the major cities above ground have already fallen, then they probably have just gotten defenses in place to the point that it will maybe work for a while. Maybe they don't have a lot of vehicles. Maybe it's a question of they have maybe the mothership, and then they have maybe some scout vehicles, but then the other stuff maybe they have to actually put on land. Right. Hmm. Or it could be, you know, the basic way to get down is orbital parachuting. Yeah. Then they have to walk from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. They do drops, basically. So they have drop ships. Yeah, especially if this is not a main body thing, well, if this is just an expeditionary force. And maybe they don't have the raw materials to build them yet. Maybe they did just come out of hypersleep. And so, mm -hmm. Yeah, well, maybe it was, you know, it was for the trip, because they got the beacon, and maybe it was, okay, well, we'll get there as soon as we can. I kind of am almost envisioning that maybe the first volley that happened when those cities got destroyed happened when the cyborgs showed up to rescue the humans that were there. <laughs> really? Well, they were going trying to rescue them, and then they realized that they had become impure, and so they had to then Eradicate, purge them. Yeah. 
they were down there and you saw them trying to engage with the humans and then and then they realized that it is too late for the humans. Okay. Would that explain their limited resources? The aliens' limited resources to vehicles and things like that? I mean, yeah, the idea that it's an expeditionary force and they don't have faster than light travel, yes. I think that probably would do it. Mm-hmm. They probably just sent maybe a mothership and a couple of dropships. Well, and we're saying that they believe themselves superior. Anyway. Yeah, correct. Yeah, so how could they possibly beat them? Right, and they're not expecting to run into people who have magic or dragons or anything like that, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So that's uh, kind of what we're seeing now. Yeah. Okay, so we see those, and then maybe on board the mothership, then we have these more sort of android-looking things mm-hmm. that are cultivated cyborgs. Correct. And then and you the have pure, pure humans yep. who are uh, pure in charge. Board. I'm actually curious about the hierarchy here a little bit. Mm-hmm. What does it look like? Is it kind of like a standard military command, or is it more like a nobility thing? Or uh, I like nobility. What is it like? I like nobility. I could see a pretentious daughter just going all bonkers. So maybe the person operating the ship is like a countess or something yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah. Do we want to do that? Basically have it with nobility of one kind fighting nobility of another, essentially. <laughs> well, they came here expecting to... Actually, you know what? That's not a bad idea, though, because then perhaps... Now, this is a thought. Dwarves and elves, potentially, they have leaders that are like kings and such. Oh, yeah. But maybe the concept of monarchy came from the aliens. <laughs> because that's how humans arrived on the planet in the first place. Mm. Is that too ridiculous? I don't, I don't think so. I think it's a whole fascist idea. So maybe out there somewhere there is a space emperor. I told you this was 40K. That's all about yeah. the immortal emperor. Oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> nice. In what we're seeing right now, this is maybe just someone who is like a uh, countess or something of that nature, yep. and her family in charge of this ship. Right. I would think she has like three dukes with her, or maybe a duchess. It would be the other way around. It would actually be uh, a duke or duchess would have count or countesses under them. Then we should make her like a princess or something. She's the daughter of the emperor. Oh, okay. Well, yes, in that case. She's one of the daughters or whatever. Like I said, she needs some people below her leading the troops on the ground. She's going to be up on the spaceship communicating down below and what she wants and her whims and whatever. And and the dukes are going to have to carry it out. So Okay. All right. But I still like the war duke. Uh, Maybe we don't need to use duke then for hers. Maybe they're like, I don't know, captains or something. We can Um, do that. That way we stay away from the war duke. uh, Yeah, maybe it's just the princesses leading this little offshoot of the fleet. Mm -hmm. Now, how autonomous. When we go down to the cyborgs at that lower, and you know, they're shock troopers, I suppose they would be. Are they autonomous at all? Well, they have free will. So I, I would think that they, they have blind loyalty, which is much better than direct mind control. <laughs> but I thought we could do the magic, the defending guys could do something to disrupt that and sever their sever oh, yeah, their I mean, umbilical, if you want to call it. Oh, yeah, that easily could happen. I mean, if they, uh, you know, just do something to take out their, uh, for lack of a better term, Radios. Yep. Cybernetic. (laughs) They kill the Wi-Fi signal, then... uh, There you go. (laughs) They can no longer communicate with the mothership, nor download music from it. Ah. This will dishearten them. Now they're just an iPod. Exactly. (laughs) Whatever. They're the loneliest iPod. There are a few things that I think maybe it would be cool to add a few interesting little tweaks to, maybe the little hooks. I was also wondering, would an emperor send his daughter out on an expedition like this? Or did she just sort of grab the keys to the Porsche and go? That's what I'm thinking. You know, I'm thinking she's a spoiled little brat and says, yeah. well, I can go save those people. Maybe he's got like 50 daughters and it doesn't matter, but well, I don't know. I'm thinking she's probably the youngest, so she's not ascending the throne anytime soon. 
I don't see her as being the eldest, that's for sure. What I'm thinking here is if we're taking this view that she expects the Emperor to be there when she gets back, then these guys have got to be ridiculously long-lived for some reason, which is possible. Strangely enough, something that came up in a previous episode uh, was a race that might have had sufficient technology to conquer death. Now, that said, that would mean that they have some pretty sophisticated stuff. Right. So them not having faster-than-light travel would be a little weird, maybe. <laughs> it might not be, because theoretically you can extend light infinitely, right, if you just manage to prepare yeah. cellular damage, whereas mm-hmm. uh, faster-than-light travel is, under our current theories, impossible. Well, maybe they've actually worked out the whole idea of uh, eternal cellular regeneration. Mm-hmm. So they've actually got to the point that the human race out in space is of a bent. Maybe that's part of the reason why the Empire is so feared is because they outlive everyone. How many yes. of the purebloods do you think are on the ship? What's the number that you're looking for? Thus far, we have the princess and her captains. Is there a hundred on the ship and then a thousand shock troopers or you know, thousands of shock troopers? I was thinking as far as just the pure blood, it might just be a small core of yeah. whatever family members are on there. Mm-hmm. So the princess and her entourage, basically, mm-hmm. and maybe the captains. Correct. That's what I'm thinking, and too. Maybe the captains have to be pure blooded, mm-hmm. but then their lieutenants aren't. Correct. They could be those, uh, the android type, the ones that appear to be human, but really aren't. Yes. All the others can go into, like, a hibernation and and just kind of wake up and do their same job, whatever. I mean, actually, even the humans would be able to go into hibernation. Correct. But the reason I just bring it up is, once again, is that the entire empire is not going to be hibernating. Right. Do we like the idea that maybe they're human, but they've developed a way to stay young? Yeah. Do we like that? I would be good with that. Kind of like a Stargate-type race, you know, where Ra or whatever, he can regenerate himself. Yeah. It's just basically something that humans learned to do at some point out there. I like that. That's interesting. Could be stolen technology, too. It could be. Could be. Well, we don't actually need to get into that, though, because that's that's, that's other stories. Which anyone listening is welcome to write. Mm -hmm. In fact, if you do, please send us something. Let us know. That's it. There are just one or two little uh, things that I think might be cool to throw interesting little tweaks into. Mm-hmm. I do not know what these tweaks are yet. We'll figure it out. I still like the idea that the first expedition force ended up being the human. The purebeds ended up breeding the human race. Maybe um, there's something about the magic that disrupts their ability to live forever. I, Maybe I with think, a nanite fix and the magic permeating the planet disrupts that. Um, Maybe that's why she won't go down. That's a thought. Or maybe it's just a question of exposure Correct. to uh, their magical fields for long enough. Maybe that's what they mean by corrupted, in a way. Mm-hmm. You're no longer accessible by that technology, because the magical field screws it up. But yeah, just a few int- few little things that I think might be cool to play with just a little bit. Is there anything cool or interesting we want to do with this ancient central hub place that the orcs are currently inhabiting that they're going to want to come back to? If we were to talk about it and get people interested in this place, what one thing, what one interesting little thing would we say about it? Maybe this is the source of the magic of the area that they... They can actually tap the stuff and maybe export it from there? I don't know. So maybe in the ruins somewhere, there is the ultimate magical source. Correct. Right. A direct tap to that extra-dimensional space. Where would this kind of thing have come from, then? Maybe it's there's a portal inside somewhere, or uh, maybe there's a portal and a device? I don't know. What if it's the old ship that the others used <laughs> to get there? 
bad. I kind of like the idea of those being separate things, yeah, though. Too. I like the idea of the old ship being a possible site on the world for people to explore, but... But not this site. This um, has not be this site, no. Th- this site, I think, should be something that bound. is purely of this planet. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, like a Stonehenge. Maybe because of them occupying this magical high ground, maybe they have better magically permeated weapons and armor than anybody. Maybe they're more disruptive to the enemy than anybody else. That said, do we want to say that this was put there by elves or dragons or something? I don't think it was put there by anything. Maybe it's the weak point between whatever dimension is powering their magic source. The magic magic itself has formed this stronghold, this large underground metropolis. Because that's what I'm picturing it being. Like a it can be partially underground as well as above ground. I mean I see you know mountain spires being masked. So a magically created place. Mm -hmm. Created by the magic itself. Yep. But you're you're saying that the magic is sentient? No, the magic was warped or manipulated. Directed. Okay. All right. Who did that? Who warped or manipulated Ah. the magic? Create that originally. Well, it can't be humans. I mean, it could be the humans because it wasn't necessarily something that originally. Because when they know, but when they first came here, they were the space invaders. Yes. So I don't think they'd have access to that type of magic. Well, maybe that's okay. when they learned how to use the magic for the first time, and actually they used okay. like a, some kind of a magical doomsday device to end the war that they were having with the elves and the dwarves. Ah. Right. Ooh, nice, and it's still down there. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's kind of, that's the uh, Return of the Planet of the Apes thing, where they come at the end and the guy launches the missile at the end. Okay. Is, ah. Yeah. Nice. So it can okay. hurl large magical bolts at anything yeah, over the. Right? Yeah. Maybe it's a big focusing dish there essentially almost there, yeah. and you can uh, yes. <laughs> uh, you, you can send like city killer bolts <laughs> if it's a doomsday device you know okay so then when the humans discovered it they discovered the device and that's when they had that place as a central rallying point mm-hmm. for whatever the ancient evil was which we don't really even need to define right who do we want to say originally then shaped this thing or is it unknown is it lost in the past let's say it's lost I think it's okay to be yeah. even lost for now yeah but how okay. did how did they know of it the elves know of it? The sure, I mean, it's possible it? that, yeah, the, it's it's a place, so people have been there. Okay. They find these ancient things, the ancient walls, and signs of an ancient language that no one really speaks anymore. Maybe some of the dragons can read part of it. Oh, okay. Um, because maybe, there was some... Maybe it was a compilation. Maybe there was a dragon, an elf, and a dwarf or something like that. <laughs> Walk into a Walk bar. Walk into a bar. I thought they yeah. <laughs> decided to build a city. <laughs> It was, it was created after a night of drunken revelry. <laughs> you know one of those nights when you have too much to drink and you end up building a city? Wait, I've done that before. Damn! <laughs> okay, I like this idea. I think we've got enough. Let's leave it unknown for right now. Yeah, let's leave it unknown, but it's like there are rumors about it. Okay. Do we want to throw any interesting little things or hooks about this invading royal family that is coming, or just the the, the princess's family? They're bloodthirsty bastards, of course, right? You know? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> bloodthirsty. No, seriously, she drinks blood. Uh, okay. That's how we're all immortal. That's how we figured it out. <laughs> Maybe she actually kind of has this Bathory thing going a little bit. There's no vampirism or anything involved, but maybe that is a thing where they, as a ritual of conquest, well, actually, they don't want to be, no, 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 that would mean sampling the impurities. Hmm. <laughs> I almost wanted to say as a ritual of conquest, they drink their enemy's blood, but that's not 
Yeah. Maybe that's something that's only done as an honor if it's something that they find that's stronger than them. Only if they run it through a filter. <laughs> yeah. Yes, they have to pour it through one of those things that they use on tap water to make it safe. Exactly. Well, here, here you go. <laughs> it's a coffee filter kind of thing. It's a, yeah, totally. What about maybe not so much drinking it as what, bathing in it? You know, that way. Yeah, that's it's, that's it's, see, that's the thing is that if, the, if purity is important to them, then I can't even actually see them bathing in the blood necessarily. The bathroom thing sounded interesting to me in my head, but unfortunately... Oh, maybe yeah. that's part of their immortality routine, right? They have to actually drain life force from somebody or something like that, or use lotion made from the marrow of their enemies or something. <laughs> <laughs> there she well, maybe goes. Actually, there you go. She could. Well, the life force drainage is good. Mm-hmm. Maybe they actually have devices that store life force. Maybe and, they, just and that could be the reason why they have to do the conquest, right? Because they have to go yes. find other races to beat them. Yes, exactly. We have to keep the Emperor alive. We must conquer more oh, worlds. Right. This works. But it's not Good. working here. For some reason. We don't know why. The magic is It's all this magic stuff. I don't understand. Okay, very cool. What do we want to call this kind of mysterious central hub area that we've been talking about? These ruins, this place, this ancient city, or ancient place that they're wanting to use as a rallying point. Break out the Google. Yeah, got thesaurus, right? Yeah. Yep. Well, that's generally how the... And now the searching portion of the podcast. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I use this website called Behind the Name for just about all sorts of names. Okay. It gives oh. you the meanings of all the different names in different languages and etymologies and uh, histories behind the names and famous people have had them. And it's really kind of cool. We can't put that in the podcast because people wouldn't think we're geniuses if they know. <laughs> Too late. They, yeah, they might already know. <laughs> yeah. In my case, I can't speak for you guys. <laughs> no, no, we, we, I think they tumbled to us back when we tried to create a world out of air. <laughs> yeah. Cool. <laughs> well, let's do a blue world. Sure, why not? <laughs> well, uh, I am confronted with a list here. English, French, German, Italian, yes. Irish, Indian, Arabic, Spanish, mythology. I like Dagmar. Dagmar is... For the name of the central hub, the most magical area. Dagmar is a mythological woman, right? Yeah, day maid. A feminine Scandinavian and German name. Yeah, I'm good with that. Shall we go Dagmar? That's fine. So this place, which they refer to as Dagmar, the ancient city of Dagmar. Mm-hmm. And so this leads me to think we're going kind of Scandinavian Germanic with this society, which may be important to remember. The title of War Duke, are we good with that? Just Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. War Duke? Yeah, okay. I like War Duke. All right. The current War Duke. First of all, is it a him or a her? I believe it's a him. I'm leaning towards a him. Yeah. More than a okay. her. Okay. I am now searching through Germanic names, because I'm assuming that's kind of where we're going with this. Well, okay, if we want to go with the classics, do we want to use something like Siegfried? There you go. Plus, he doesn't have a partner named Roy. Yeah. Uh, hopefully not. That's their secret weapon, the giant cat. <laughs> <laughs> or Siegmund, that was Siegfried's father, to hint at someone less perfect. Is any of this sounding good, or should I keep oh, that, throwing that work. Yeah. yeah. Siegfried? Go for it. Yep. I mean, we could go with Sigmund if we wanted to, because yeah. that would be... Sigmund, yeah, Sigmund's good. I like that. And people will talk about Freud, but that's okay, because this is really all about going back to your parents anyway, so <laughs> this is good. And speaking of your parents, what do we want to call the space humans? I would like to think there is a world from which they come. Perhaps they're named for it, or on some level, I mean, it's an empire, so they might be imperial somethings, or they... I, I don't know, but what are they? How about the Grendel? Oh, Grendel. That's, that's interesting. 
You know, actually, if we play with the spelling a little bit, maybe something like Grindel, something with Ys in it. <laughs> oh, yeah, you can embellish the spelling. Huh? So it sounds like an alien race, because at first they wouldn't know that they're humans. Right. The people on the planet, probably not until they could scry on something. Exactly. Are not going to know that there are humans up there. And maybe they have trouble scrying beyond the sphere of the planet. Yeah, there's probably something to that. And, you know, they might just so, think that that's what people look like. They're all basically yeah. humanoid on the planet anyway. So maybe something like, uh, I'm thinking G-R-Y-N-D-Y-L-L. Sure. Sure. That actually is one of the spellings of Grendel, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Grendel. If not, it should be. That's it right. Is now. It is now. We've said it on the podcast, therefore it's true. What do we want to call the princess? Aha, Katarina. Hmm, okay. Sure. Yeah, nice K-A-T-A-R-I-N-A. Mm-hmm. Princess Katarina. Mm-hmm. And do we want to name her family or just leave it at that? I think we should probably name the lineage. Okay. Is there a particular thing we want to borrow from? I mean, we actually... It's funny because this is also still kind of Germanic if we're going with the Grendel. Mm-hmm. So maybe like house something. What about oh. Jurgen? J-U-R-G-E-N? House Jurgen? We could go with that. Jurgen? Yeah, it's Jurgen. And it's also the name of a lotion. No, that's J-E-R. <laughs> that's simple enough. Yeah, that works. So J-U-R-G-E-N? Yeah. Okay, House Jurgen. Mm-hmm. What do we want to call the Empire? Or actually, they're called the Grindel. So yeah, yeah, I think that's good enough. It's yeah, we just leave it at that. Okay, mm-hmm. the Empire of the Grindel, the Grindelian Empire, what have you? The captains is the rank just captain, or was there something more in particular that we wanted to give it? Right, it was like Hauptführer. <laughs> that's, that's exactly. What, I mean, wow. If we went for that, I'm sure it would be that because they think they're all superior. So it's probably a very idealized version of themselves. But captain work. Really spelled with a K. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. We'll just leave it at captains, I think, or fleet okay. captain, maybe. Right. Well, actually, no, we don't. It's, it's not ground. a fleet. It's yeah, it's, it's a ground thing. force. Captain, leave it at that. The android lieutenants, and actually, I'm thinking more of the android class of being because they're actually, I guess, they actually are cyborgs, but they look human. Mm-hmm. Is there a special term we want to use for those guys, or are they just because they're not exactly androids? No, we want to use blitzkriegers. Well, no, they're they're not. I mean, I can see these are more lieutenant types, maybe like cyber marshals or something uh, strange like that. Ooh. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Cyber marshals kind of fun. Yeah. Want to play with that, cyber marshals? Yep. Okay. But remember, some of them are like, well, they wouldn't really be handmaidens or servants. Some of them probably are to the princess. Some of them might be, yes. But those are built for a different purpose, so they can have a different name. They'd be a different class okay. of Good. Uh, android type creature. So they'd be like... I think just the simple terms of handmaidens and mm-hmm. servants that probably is going to work. Yep. That. The mothership. What do we want to call the ship? Ooh. Do we want to name it after like a type of uh, a type of a sword that, or something like that? Yeah. A <laughs> <I'm> bastard. <laughs> 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 the bastard, bastard sword. sword. Yeah. I did that. I was writing the uh, uh, Eberron novels, right? Uh-huh. Uh huh. In, which is a D&D setting, in the Eberron setting, the leaders of the Warforged down in the Moorlands are supposed to each be named after swords of certain types. Uh-huh. Oh, I'm like, yeah. okay, so my guy, the, my main villain's going to be named Bastard. <laughs> <I'm not sure. laughs> <laughs> like, there's no way That's Wizards awesome. is going to let me get away with that. But they did. I was just <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> That's great. And sometimes you do this stuff just to see what the legends do. <laughs> <clears throat> yep. Hey, you never know. If you can yeah, check exactly. the line, unless you do it. Exactly. Alright, huh. so... I, I'm looking and they mention Beowulf again. Sword and cutting weapon went sword. Beowulf has the compound. Vague sword. Vague sword. These are not English letters, but it's... <laughs> 
Referring to a pattern-welded blade, the wig wave describing the wave-like patterns. Ooh. A I don't know how to pronounce that. <laughs> Renowned treasure sword given to Beowulf as a reward for his heroism. The same sword is called a Gris sword. Hildemich. It's the name of Beowulf's sword. H-R-U-N-T-I-N-G. Runting? That's not bad, actually. Should we go with that? Yep. That sounds good to me. Okay. (laughs) Runting. What do we want to call the Doomsday Device? The magical Doomsday Device. The World Breaker. It could be something like that. The World Render? World. That's actually, that that could work. Mm. What's another? Something Render. Something like... Sky Render... Ooh, life render. Now, this is the thing that fires giant arcane bolts, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. Bolt thrower. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which rends the uh, rends the earth asunder. The sunderer. I like the regular. Does that sound? Yeah, that works. Sunderer. Sunderer. <laughs> yeah. Go with that. The trick isn't saying it; it's stopping saying it. <laughs> okay. Okay. The sunderer. Yep. The ground troop cyborg type guys. Mm-hmm. The cyborgs, basically. Do we just want to call them cyborgs, or is there... Actually, it would be simple enough. Yep, just call them, call them cyborgs. You could even give them model number M4. The M4. M4 with their plasma cannons on their arms or what have you, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yep. Are we good with that? Yep. Okay. All right. What do we want to name the fantasy world here? Billy. Billy! <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if I should delve back into Beowulf. No, wait, that was actually more the aliens. So this is... Go back to general Germanic. Adam, let's name the world Adam. No. You could, actually. That's uh, first man, right? And this whole yeah. rebirth thing we got going on. Actually, I think it means red man. I'm showing my geekiness there, but... Lazarus. Call the world Lazarus. Hmm. Hmm. Why not? I can't think of a reason not to call the world Lazarus. It's all about rebirth, right? Yeah. How do we feel about that? Sure. It doesn't work as, a, as the setting name, but it does work as the... Right, name. yes. Sure. All right. Now... The name of the setting. If we wanted, we could go with something like the Lazarus Imperative or something like that, but... Um, uh, what would, something with arcane in it. Okay. The arcane Imperative. Well, you want to have something that uh, evokes both magic and tech at the same time. Maybe if we replace Imperative with a slightly more scientific term, that'll get it across. If we can bring conflict into it as well, then that's uh, that's a bonus. Collision. Skirmish? This is a bit more than a oh, skirmish. Concord. Uh, but that means an agreement. Yeah. Yes, yes. Not this is the opposite of that. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, like a, or like it could a, be the uh, arcane accord if you wanted to. Or put discord. It. There you go. Arcane discord. Mm. Well, almost, but that's kind of like the thing itself falling apart. Um, but I almost, I'd almost, i almost want to go with arcane collision. Brawl. An arcane brawl. <laughs> arcane rumble. Disturbance. Yes! Disturbance. Well, it's more than a disturbance. The arcane invasion. But the arcanes aren't invading anything. Yeah, that's true. That's the technological invasion. <laughs> the invasion. Or we could we could name it uh, arcane, Camp- the arcane and then the resistance. Like res- yeah, campaign or resistance. Yeah. The arcane aspect of it is doing more of a resistance. Or barricade. However. Arcane barricade? No. The arcane heresy? That's great, except it doesn't really... It doesn't really work, except for the... Almost, yeah, I mean, the, uh, the they're trying to, to purge that which is not pure, so it almost works. <laughs> Actually, well, heresy. The arcane impurity. Oh. I like that. that. Yes, yeah. Sold that. <laughs> yep. Impurity, <laughs> yes. Sold. Impurity. Yeah. Okay. 
So this setting is the Arcane Impurity. There we go. And there you have it. So if anyone listening wants to use this setting in their writing or their games, feel free. It is available under Creative Commons. Yay. Uh, Matt, thanks very much for joining yeah. us. Oh, that was awesome. It was a lot of fun. Good luck with the uh, Kickstarter. Yeah, the Thank 12 you. for 12. Yeah, absolutely. If, if folks want to check that out, I will have a link in the show notes for the Kickstarter. Very cool. Say goodbye, fellas. Good goodbye, fellas. Goodbye, fellas. Yes. <laughs> Good night, guys. Thanks are, a lot. We are out. Thank you for listening to Crucible of Realms. Do you have comments or a question? Have you used one of our settings? Tell us about it. You can contact us at podcast at crucibleofrealms.com or leave a review for us on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. Or if you'd like to contact one of the hosts individually, you can find our emails on the website at crucibleofrealms.com. From there, you can check out the wiki with all the settings we've created so far. Those settings and this podcast are released under a Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 license. The opening and closing theme was composed and performed by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. <laughs>